Welcome to the Nerd Party. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of the hosts, Asia Bonilla. And I'm Charles Sheeland, the other host. And today we're starting the second book of the Divergent series, Insurgent. And as we like to tell you every week, we're a book club podcast with the Nerd Party Network, and we're reading and rereading young adult books and sharing them with each other. Yep. As best friends, we share these books with each other, and we want to do that, so we turn it into a podcast. So we alternate between series that one of us has read and the other hasn't, so you get to hear our differing perspectives. And, you know, differing perspectives as one of us who's reading, one of us who's rereading. And because of this, we're currently reading a series that Asia has read before, but I've actually never read the Divergent trilogy until now. And because Charles is new, he's on summary duty for the series since I did it for the Giver Quartet. Yeah, so I will try to cover what happened in the first half of Insurgent. So Tris, Tobias, Caleb, and crew make it to Amity headquarters, and they're allowed to stay, but it's pretty clear that Amity leadership will put their relationship with Erudite first. Then they leave and they meet the factionless, who seem to be led by Tobias's mom, Evelyn, who wants to create a factionless world. Then they go to Candor to see if they will help, but Candor basically also says they'll stay neutral. So the loyal Dauntless decide to reclaim Dauntless headquarters and name Tobias, Tori, and Harrison their new leaders. Meanwhile, Tris is acting super reckless while suffering from PTSD, and she's being super whiny. And so she's fighting with Tobias, and he's also being whiny, so they're just both fighting a lot, actually. And that's it. So I'll just go over my impression really quickly. And that was kind of that this reading went off the rails. Like, I didn't feel like there was a lot of focus or planning, which, you know, if we're being generous, maybe Roth was trying to leave the reader confused, like Triss is, you know. Like, maybe we're really supposed to be empathetic with the characters and the chaos of war, but I was confused the whole time. And, like, they're running around, but it feels super accidental. But honestly, my biggest takeaway from the reading, which is a problem, is that there's too much simulation, injection, serum, sci-fi. Like, it feels like that's being used to explain away everything rather than creating an actual, like, realistic world. And I just... Excuse me. I just don't really like that. It feels kind of lazy writing to me. But I don't know. It feels like everything is just being explained away by some injection of a different color. So I don't know. Why don't you tell me your impression, Asia? Well, for me, during this reading, I just feel like I'm going to start liking Triss less and less as the story goes on. Just because, just like you mentioned in the summary, she is starting to become very reckless in this book. And as I've mentioned before, the main thing I like about these books, the series, is the romance between Triss and Tobias. And for pretty much the whole section of this book, they're fighting. So I'm obviously not going to enjoy the story as much when the romance isn't as nice. But yeah, I definitely agree that this felt a little messy and a little all over the place. And, you know, maybe that's what Roth was trying to do. But I also just think it goes to show that maybe this just wasn't as well planned out as some of the other books we've read. But we can go ahead and dive in and see what we think. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I I might have some questions for you down the line. So they do make it to Amity headquarters. 
Yes, and I've just got to say that this book literally started right back up where Divergent ended. Like, it almost feels like it could have just been one long book, which, okay. Feels like something we were saying last week, that the ending didn't really make very much sense. It was kind of just, like, begging you to keep, to buy another copy, but anyway. Yeah. So I wanted to mention, everyone is, like, saying that this age gap between Triss and Tobias is so big. Like, some people mentioned it last book. Caleb mentions it. Like, it's the first thing he says, this reading. And I was like, it's two years. Like, it's not that serious. And also, she's a full member of Dauntless now. It's not even like she's an initiate or she's, like, in high school. Like, she's a fully-fledged, like, voting member of the Dauntless faction. So, I don't know. What did you think? I think it could be because that, like, Tobias or four, as I feel like the other people think of him, like, he seems so intimidating and, like, so much older than Triss. So even though, yes, it's only a two-year gap, I feel like for the people who are making comments, that's more what they're, like, thinking as opposed to, like, Triss, you know, who's, like, this stiff from Abnegation, like, she's ending up with four, like, only has four fears, was, like, even though, I mean, Triss essentially was the number one initiate in her Dauntless class, too. So, like, it doesn't really make sense, but a lot of things don't make sense. Yeah. As we'll see. And then Amity gives them these pretty, like, insane conditions on which they can stay. So Amity's like, you can stay here as a safe house, but you can't talk about the conflict. We're still going to work with Erudite, you know. So obviously that's going to make Triss and Tobias want to leave because Amity, they're saying that they're staying neutral, but like by being neutral, they're pro-Ariadite, you know? Yeah. The Amity are definitely like their stance is basically like do nothing because they don't want to fight at all. So if that means that they're just going to essentially probably surrender to the Ariadite, like they just don't want to fight. Well, isn't that the Martin Luther King Jr. quote where it's like, if you stay neutral on the side of oppression... You side with the oppressor? Yes. And that's basically what Amity is choosing to do because of their idea of keeping the peace, which sometimes the peace can't be kept. But anyway, then on top of that, Triss overhears Marcus telling Joanna, who's the leader of Amity, that the Erudite attacked Abnegation not for power, but to, but to obtain secret information. And so this was a little confusing to me, so maybe you can clarify. So the abnegation leaders, like Trissa's dad and Marcus, they have some information or some secret that Janine, Joanna, and Jack all want to know, like all the other factions want to know, but Marcus, who's basically the only abnegation leader left, he's not going to tell them? Is that what it is? Yeah, that basically seems like, since abnegation was like in charge of the government and stuff, they obviously probably had access to certain like top secret info and as far as janine obviously for erudite erudite is always seeking more knowledge and they obviously want power so obviously they want to know what the secret information is which we don't know what it is yet and then for joanna she also like wants to probably know because she wants to try to keep the peace so she wants to know what this information is to know if she can you know probably use that to like side with Janine or something to keep the peace um and then like same thing like ultimately like obviously if there's some secret big deal info it would make sense that like the other leaders would probably want to know what it is so that the abnegation isn't like above them yeah but that's my understanding of it but just 
so far we think it's only abnegation leaders that know the secret. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure whether it was something that like other leaders like Janine and Marcus knew, but they weren't telling Joanna. No, I think it's just ab- because the idea. That's I why Janine invades them. Yes, because basically for abnegation, like obviously they're seen as like they're the selfish flat. Blah. They're the selfless faction, so obviously they're. That's why they were tasked with being the leaders and stuff. So obviously it would make sense that they'd have like the secret information because by their faction rules, they're not going to do anything selfishly with it because they're all super selfless. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, and then I had a question while we're still, you know, in the Amity compound, which Tris gets in a fight with Peter which leads to her being drugged with, like, this Amity serum that, like, I guess makes you peaceful, but they accidentally give her too much because she's so small. And so she's literally acting like she's drunk, like she has, like, no inhibitions, and she's just all, like, happy-go-lucky, like, singer, like... She's drugged. She's literally drugged, like, skipping around and stuff. And when Tobias gets Tris, like, they go and talk to Joanna, and he's like you gave her too much or whatever. And Joanna kind of hints that they put this Amity serum in the bread. Cause she's like you and the other dauntless abnegation people, you should avoid eating the bread. But like, do you think that's what she meant that like they put it in the bread? Cause he's like, do you put it in the water? And she's like, if you put it in the water, obviously this wouldn't have happened. Yeah, maybe. I mean, kind yeah. I mean, I, it definitely sounded like she definitely is, Slipping it to people somehow. I don't know if it necessarily has to be the bread or that was just like an example of how it would be getting to people. But I mean, again, as I've already said, anything that has to do with serums or injections or mind control all feels like a little fishy to me. Well, it's also just like everything's like, I feel like we're just not getting full answers to things. So it's kind of just like making us confused, which like maybe we'll get more answers at the very end. But yeah, right now it just feels like we're getting half answers, so it's like I don't really understand what's going on. Like, here's another question I have that we have not really gotten an answer to. Why does the peace serum work on Triss? Like, it was developed by Amity. I mean, by Ariadite for Amity. So why does the peace serum work on Triss? Because the truth serum doesn't really work on Triss. I mean, it does a little bit, but she's still in some level of control. You know, like, and she's like really able to resist simulations because she's divergent, but she, and she's able to resist the truth serum, but she's not able to resist the peace serum. Like, it feels incredibly inconsistent. Yeah. So, Tobias, I believe, gives kind of like a brief explanation about this at some point because I think after Tris like comes off of the Amity serum, she asks him, like, I thought I'm diver- like divergent. Like, why is the serum working on me? And I believe he says something about how, like, the Amity serum is about like working on your emotions. Like obviously it makes you so you like can't get angry or like volatile while the, their divergence is more like mentally, like it's in their brain. So obviously for simulations that's in your brain. So obviously they are, they're able to resist that and like recognize that it's not real. And then for the truth serum, I would yeah also assume that because that one's like half, maybe emotional half, mental so but emotions still are in your brain like that's not science i'm not saying that it makes sense i'm saying that <laughs> i know that I is know. what i believe in the book tobias says something like that as an explanation so that is I, what I my I assumption was... would be is of what roth is trying to say is why 
the certain serums. And then in addition to that, I guess you could say again, like how maybe one, the one serum is stronger than the other, like who knows, but that to me would like make the most sense is that like, oh, this one's targeting like more solely just your emotions. Like I have no idea. Well, thank you for trying to explain it. I don't buy it, but I appreciate you trying to explain it. Yes. And so then the erudites show up in the Amity compound. So Tris, Caleb, and Tobias leave, and they end up on another ghost train. But this time, this train has a big group of the factionless. And they end up finding out that the faction the factionless are just like a faction. Like they've all grouped together and formed like their own community. Which was so obvious to me. Like, of course they have to band together, but Tris is like, oh my goodness, I had no idea the factionless could even like talk to each other. Like, I mean, I guess it does go to show you that prejudice is really, prejudice reaches all levels of humanity because even someone like Tris, who is, you know, smart and sees through the system you know, she's still incredibly prejudiced against the faction list. She's like, I didn't even realize they could talk to each other. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, for Tris, I think that, like, makes sense as a response because obviously her entire life, she's been taught that, like, being factionless is, like, worse than death. So it kind of makes sense that you, like... And think about her, I mean, the only interaction we see that she has with the factionless is, like, when that one man, like, grabs her, like... Asking for food, who like? But she has been donating food to the factionless forever. She was ab- raised abnegation, like. But it's still not like she still sees them as. I mean, just like I'm sure most people. It's more yeah the prejudice aspect that they think of them as like homeless. In our world, like look at the homeless, like homeless people, like you wouldn't think of them as like being able to have their own community because probably a lot of people think of them as beneath the regular person, which is like not true because obviously they're still human beings, but because you're not. Actually, even if, like, yeah, she, as abnegation was, like, giving food to them, she still, like, doesn't actually get to see them, like, in their natural environment. Because also the factionalists, like, they probably act like they're more helpless so that no one will bother them because they're not seen as a threat, you know? Yeah, I guess. It was just really funny because she's incredibly prejudiced. She's, like, but, I mean, I guess you are right. Like, the way they're portrayed, it's... I think that just, like, it, it made sense for her, like, character development in the book so far. But most importantly during this scene, we do find out that Tobias's mother, Evelyn, is not actually dead. Like, Tris talks about, like, they had a funeral for her and everything in abnegation. But apparently Evelyn had an affair with who knows who, because they don't mention. So she decided to leave abnegation and she joined the factionless and eventually became the leader of the factionless, which she says that they have numbers twice the size of Dauntless. So it's a very large amount, a large group of the factionless. And also we find out that Tobias found this news out about a year before uh, when Evelyn sent him a coded message to Dauntless to like meet her and Tobias went up and like she told him what happened. But Tobias is obviously angry with Evelyn for leaving him behind with Marcus, who was abusive, as he should. So that was that. Yeah. Oh, it's just funny. Marcus and Evelyn, like the two people who would be worst at being abnegation, like two incredibly selfish and you know, people, they ended up together. But I mean, I will say, Evelyn, she's 
really interested in potentially getting rid of the faction system. She's like, it doesn't really work. And which, you know, I mean, as I've said, I feel like that's the vibe of the whole series, but it definitely seems like she's on the right path with it. And, or at least that's how it read to me. And Tobias seems open to it as well. Like Tris is not. So she overhears them talking and she's like, okay, this is when I started to not like Tris because, so she hears the whole thing about like the, maybe we need to live live in a world without factions. And Tris is like, a world without factions? How would people know the the things about themselves? Because, like, I'm like, one, you know things about yourself before you were in a faction. And two, she literally just finished the last book saying she's not abnegation, she's not dauntless, she's divergent. Like, she literally says those words. <laughs> like, she literally said those words. And then she's like, how on earth could we be in a world without factions when she literally declared herself outside of the faction system? Like, there's a cognitive dissonance in her brain. We already said that Roth, you know, threw that paragraph together at the last second. So she honestly probably forgot she even said that. But she's spent the whole (laughs) of the first book, like, you know, going back and forth. She's like, I have abnegation tendencies, but I'm also dauntless. Like, I feel at home with the dauntless. I never felt at home with the abnegation, but I do use my selflessness. Like... She's literally spent all of the first book being like, one faction doesn't define me. And then she's like, how on earth could we live in a world where people don't know what's their own personality? I think, okay, if we're trying to give Tris the benefit of the doubt, I'll try to be devil's advocate here, I guess. I would say maybe she could be thinking, so maybe Tris, she's divergent. So she can live without factions or she has, you know, the multiple personalities and stuff from the different factions. But what about the average person? The average person doesn't. And, like, as we can see, there's obviously we are soon going to find out there's lots of divergent people, but it's still, like, they're not the majority. So maybe in this moment, if she was having, like, thinking of other people, she could be like, how are other people going to be able to adapt to that? That is me just trying to throw that out there. But then the other thing I would say is I feel like this reaction could be more about just how Evelyn is speaking about the living without factions because it kind of seems, and it comes across more, which is why... Tris, you know, ends up feeling like she doesn't want to trust her because it feels like Evelyn kind of is like another Janine, like she's just power hungry, wants to be in charge. And her way of taking charge is instead of like controlling all the factions is to just destroy the faction system. And so like, I feel like that could be why she's like a world without factions. Like that just doesn't seem like the right solution right now in this moment. I feel like is again, trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. Okay. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure I buy it, but. I will accept the benefit of the doubt for now. But we also, the speaking with Evelyn and stuff also kind of serves to flesh out more of the world for us because while with the faction list, Triss finds out, you know, why there are no old people in Dauntless, which was mentioned briefly in the last book, but she learns that they are either asked to leave and become factionless, or some people actually choose death over being factionless, which is again yet another reason to never choose Dauntless. Um, yeah, and more, and more importantly, we also find out that the largest population of divergent people are in the factionless, and the abnegation we're helping them determine that, like how many divergent people they had, but we didn't get an explanation as to why yet, and. Evelyn let slipped to Triss that her dad was born an erudite and she does this intentionally and maliciously 
to obviously anger Tris. Yeah, she's like, your dad was such good friends with Janine. And Tris is like, <laughs> and Evelyn's like, ha 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 ha, stay away. Like, I. <laughs> that's I, the conversation. Again, what? I said, that's the conversation. That was the conversation. Like, I, like I said, I do think that Evelyn is right about the idea that, like, the faction system doesn't work. But, I mean, again, we just hear, dauntless, you get too old, you're kicked out. And the fact that, you know, we, I mean, we know that one of the reasons there are so many factionless, God, so many complicated words. The reason there are so many divergent in the factionless is because it's really hard for divergent to fit into initiation processes and just think in one way because their brains are like, you know, developed so they can think in more than one way at a time. But I, yeah, like I agree with Evelyn that the faction system doesn't work, but she's very clearly like evil or at least bad. Yeah, and that's why I wrote that down too because I think that Tris is right in that like instinctual feeling of not wanting to trust Evelyn. And like the quote I wrote is, who speaks so casually about demolishing an entire faction? Because I think Evelyn's like, and that's why I'm saying like, it's not that her idea is wrong. I think it's her way of getting to that idea. Like her idea of, yeah, we don't need factions anymore, but in order to get there, we're going to like destroy a whole population of people to like force everyone into that, which I just feel like is a little extreme. Like it's not much different than what Janine is doing. Like she's just killed all the abnegation and Evelyn's like, well, let's just kill all the erudite then. Like, which I'm, Trish is like, I don't think that's the right solution. Yeah. Which I think is, you know, right. Like we shouldn't just kill a whole faction. But another thing that Trish, that Evelyn does that's like, pretty evil back in the conversation. She literally tells Tris that she's temporary and that family is forever. And I was like, do you really want to say that Evelyn after you walked out on your son and husband? Like you just, you literally made yourself temporary and you called Tris that like what a bad choice of words. Yeah. That was not a very good comeback for her. (laughs) Um, But then here we go with our random transitions. Then, you know, they magically go to Candor and Tobias and Triss are suspected criminals, so they end up having to be investigated by the truth serum. And this is where the rest of the loyal Dauntless are, including Christina, Uriah, Marlene, Lynn, and all the other Dauntless people. And Triss is very worried that everyone is going to find out that she is the one who killed Will, and it's obviously been haunting her throughout this book. And they, her and Tobias get, like, put in, like, a holding cell, basically, for, like, a couple hours before they have to go under the truth serum. And I'm like, this is the moment when, you know, she should have finally been like, yep, now's time to tell Tobias what I did so, you know, that he can help her, like, work through it because she is about to have to admit it in front of everybody under this truth serum. But she doesn't say anything to him. Like, I just, that's just, like, again, where I, I mean, she is only, like, 16 years old, I guess, but, like, a mature relationship, you should feel comfortable enough to communicate with that with him. And I understand if, you know, you're worried of what he's going to think of you. But, like, at this point, he's going to find out. You're going under truth serum. You're going to tell everyone. So don't you think it would be better for you to tell him right now in this moment when you're alone before you're going to have to tell everyone? So that way you at least know somebody who's going to be on your side. Yeah, this is, well, as I mentioned earlier, Tris is dumb. But this is especially dumb because... She was just defending herself. Like, she was just 
She didn't go out of her way to find Will. Like, he was shooting at her. She had no choice. And also, like, even, like, when Christina, I mean, like, I understand Christina, like, had a crush on Will, blah, 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 blah. But, but, my thing that made me so frustrated with Tobias, well, one, Tris not saying something to Tobias, Tobias being mean to her afterwards, and Christina being mean to her afterwards, is, like, all of the Dauntless who were in the simulation killed people during the simulation. Like, and they're all forgiven because it was out of their control, because they were under the simulation, because they didn't know they were doing it. But I'm like, they still killed people, probably a bunch of people, and a bunch of innocent people. Like, Triss killed Will, yes. And of course, she's going to have to deal with the trauma of it herself, because she's killed her friend. Like, that's... But she has to deal with that internally, but it makes no sense for everyone to be ragging on her when I'm like, all of you people were killing people. Like, you all killed a bunch of people. And... I don't know. It just made me really angry. Well, so I don't think everyone was necessarily ragging on her for it. Cause after like, she has to admit it and everything, you know, they all say like, thank you for your honesty. Obviously I think Christina's really the only person that I just feel like she was going to be angry no matter what, like whether Tris would have told her before Tris or told her how it happened. I think obviously Christina was going to be very upset because she, she needs someone to blame. And so she's going to blame someone. It's going to be Tris. So I feel like Christina's a lost cause. That friendship's over. That that's fine. But for Tobias, while I feel like Tobias is rightfully upset, is because he didn't, she didn't tell him. She kept it from him for like a long period of time when it's again, they're supposed to be, they're in a relationship. And not that he's not keeping things from her too, but for her, that's something that it's like, he could have provided like support for her and help for her to deal with it. Because like you said, like she's feeling very guilty, like, She's dealing with PTSD. And he asked like, her like eight times. He's like, are you okay? And she's yeah, like, I'm he, totally fine. Yeah. And so it's just like, I mean, just like with anything, like you can't keep everything inside. You need to talk to somebody. And it's just like, it makes sense that she should have talked to Tobias. And it just emphasizes this idea that she doesn't trust him, which for him, probably if he feels like she doesn't trust him, then he's probably like, maybe I can't trust her. Like, oh, I'm just rolling my eyes. But like, that is what I feel like we're getting from that. Yes. But let's backtrack for a second, though, because the first person to go under the serum is Tobias. And he gives, like, an okay explanation of how he was able to fight the simulation while he was in the control room, you know, and Tris came and, like, spoke to him and he just woke up. Like, he gives an okay explanation of, like, you know, when he was under the simulation, like, he could see what was happening. And the the reason, basically, why he was able to, like, recognize Triss is because when he went to like shoot her like she didn't shoot him and she like put her gun down so like that confused him for a second and like gave him more strength to like fight against the serum and like listen for her I don't know again like I said okay explanation not the best okay but at least she tried to give us an explanation (laughs) um but Tobias also then says that he wanted to leave Dauntless that he actually wanted to leave and become factionless because he felt that he wasn't fully dauntless or something, but once he met Triss, he stayed for her. And then, dear God, we got a freaking Bella Swan moment with Triss because she's all insecure and she literally thinks, like, I am not worth that. Like, Tobias shouldn't have just stayed for me. And I, just like I said, rolling my eyes. And right then, of course, you know, again, Tobias wouldn't have been mad at Triss for killing will but he's got like this is just what i was writing down like he wouldn't have been mad at tris for killing will like he's not gonna blame her like charles already said 
what was she going to do? Like, he was going to shoot her. Does she want to die? Yeah. No. She was going to no. shoot him. And Tobias is obviously, he's more upset that she didn't tell him because she couldn't trust yeah. him to, like, he, she didn't trust him. And then Tris goes under the serum and she, like, we kind of mentioned a little bit before, she's kind of able to, like, fight against the serum at first, which, again, shows, like, her divergent strength, I guess. But then she ends up deciding that she does want to admit what happened to Will because she just, like, wants it off of her chest because, again, guilt will literally eat you alive. So, like, you need to let that out. And as she kind of is admitting to this, she has this epiphany where she realizes that she didn't even consider dying for Will and like she feels guilty for that because she relates it to like why she put down her gun for Tobias and like was gonna let him shoot her and she's like because like I couldn't kill him but she's like she doesn't understand like why she didn't feel that way towards Will and I'm like well obviously you didn't because you're not in love with Will you're in love with Tobias and as she said a hundred times, she's not good enough for abnegation. So she's just not that selfless. And the average person wouldn't be selfless to just, you know, die for anyone. They die for someone that they love. So like that whole, like her feeling guilty, like is just like not actually logical and like not realistic, but. Yeah, it was, I mean, this is when the whole book series gets a little unrealistic because people can be selfless but it seems like personally insane to me that approximately 20% of the population is expected to be so, 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 so selfless that they would let themselves get shot, <laughs> like killed rather <laughs> than like showing personality. Like, cause that's what abnegation is theoretically supposed to be. There's literally supposed to like be such pushovers. They're like, I can't show any personality. So if you've got a fire, like fire gun into my heart, that's the only way I can truly be abnegation in response. Like, that's insane. Like, that's not realistic. <laughs> like, maybe some people Where are really are like that. But, like, I, most of humanity has a self-preservation instinct. Sorry, but it's just the way it is. Yeah, and I think this, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think it's well done. But I think, like, this is basically commenting on the fact that, obviously, like, just from the beginning of the book, it said, like, she's not meant for abnegation because she's not that extreme selflessness that like we have said like is pretty unrealistic but her like what she talks about in the truth serum is that like her joining dauntless like makes her realize like how being brave and selfless like can come together because sometimes your bravest moments are when you're at your like most selfless because you're putting yourself out there for someone else but again you're only gonna do that for someone that you truly care about and like love and so but obviously for her she's still learning this so obviously like she and like again her both her parents just died for her so she's probably feeling guilty for that so she's like i should have died for will like and she's obviously depressed like from like losing all these people so i like understand why tris like feels the way she does and feels this guilt and like this things these things weighing down on her but it Again, I guess this is, again, where you think of this is, like, a young adult book made for a younger audience because for us, like, reading from adult perspective, like, that's just – like, she's being way too hard on herself. Like, she is being extremely hard on herself. Like, she killed Will because she had to. And, yes, it's sad and whatever, but, like, she shouldn't – she needs to get over it. Like, she needs to process it, forgive herself, 
and move on. Yeah. And like she can, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. She's, yes. Anyway. Yes. You're right. <laughs> I have nothing more to say on that. I think it's, yeah. And, but you'd mention this, which is important, we should say, that the fact that Trace is able to resist the truth serum is because she's like extra divergent. And so she does reveal the thing about Will. And so then Tobias gets angry because she didn't tell him, which was totally expected. Like, she didn't tell Tobias. Of course he's going to feel like she didn't trust him, which, lo and behold, he felt like he couldn't, that she couldn't trust him. And then they have their first, like, big, big fight. And so this is when Tobias says that. He's like, you should have told me. And, but... She comes back at Tobias, and during the fight, I was kind of like, neither of them was in the right. I was a little more on Triss's side, because Triss didn't, like, initiate the fight, and Tobias is like, you should have told me. And she's like, you also have secrets from me. And he's like, well, I was going to tell you at some point. And she's like, you literally just told me off for not telling you right away. So I just feel like both of them were being pretty immature, (laughs) but... Yeah. I don't know. It just I think yeah, I'm just think? I'm think I'm a little bit more on Tobias' side only because I don't think I mean I don't not with him like thinking I guess that she should tell him right away, but like I said, the literally they had like four hours before they went under interrogation of them literally sitting alone. She should have told him. Like I just I don't understand why she didn't. Like that was literally like she's like, I'm gonna get on and I'm gonna have to tell everyone. I might as well, you know, give him a heads up about this. Well, you know what I mean? Like, to me, that is just, like, the most immature decision. Whereas Tobias not telling her about Evelyn and everything, I think, like, I I guess because I'm leaning more towards the idea that, yes, if he hasn't, like, fully made a decision, he might not want to tell her yet if he's, like, not sure what he wants. And maybe he's not, like, ready to, like... Also, I mean... Fully renounce the faction system. Also... Yeah. Something you said that I think makes me switch my mind, and I'll be pre-team Tobias in this moment, is because what, because Triss's secret makes Tobias think she doesn't trust him, whereas Tobias's secrets have nothing to do with Triss. Yeah. So her secret impacts him more than his secret impacts her, and her secret says more about their relationship than his does about their relationship, which is why he's more justified in being hurt than she is. Well, also because her secret is literally like, it's not a decision. It's literally just like, she's admitting that to him so she can get the support she needs. Like she's talking to her support system. Whereas his secret is he hasn't even made a decision on what he wants to do yet. And you know what? Maybe he doesn't want Triss's opinion right now. He needs to make a decision for himself before he's ready to talk about it. Also, he's been much more forthcoming about everything with her. Like, he literally took her into his fear landscape. Like, he's actually been quite vulnerable with her. So. Yeah, and I don't know. know, Obviously, it's not great that he has a secret mom, but, like, the (laughs) the reason I was also frustrated with Tobias at the end of the fight was he's like, I quoted it, sometimes it isn't easy to be with you. And I was like, calm down. You've been dating for, like, (laughs) four days. Like, Yeah, that was a pretty... That was a pretty emotional uh, response there, Tobias. <laughs> I was like, I mean, you guys might be soulmates, but I'm like, calm down. Like, like, just calm down. You're in the middle of a war. Yeah. But so they're at Candor headquarters, and the area they attack the Candor and the Loyal Dauntless. And this brings up 
that, ba- that because of this fight, we find out that most divergent are either inconclusive or get two results. Triss is the first and to our knowledge only person to ever get three results. Like she is extra divergent. Like she's divergent factorial. Like she's divergent to the nth <laughs> power. Like she's exponential growth divergent. And Eric, he guesses it because he's like taunting her. And then she stabs Eric. And I was like, oh my God, Eric's dead. And I was like, oh wait, no, he's not dead. But Tobias saves her and the erudite are driven out of Candor headquarters. Yes. And then, so now Candor has to decide officially, like if they're going to get involved in this war. Yeah. And so if you were confused at this point, because I was, I'm, to my understanding, basically all of the Dauntless who felt bad after the simulation, they're at Candor. They're called Loyal Dauntless. Then they're the Dauntless who are like, we don't mind killing. So they are the traitors. <laughs> and they have gone over to Erudite. Yes. But this whole time I've been wondering, I'm like, are there other Dauntless somewhere else? Are there any abnegation left at all? Or is, like, anyone else, like, in the faction list now? Like, can you clarify, like, what the position makeup of the people are? Well, so I can't rem- So... Yes, what you said about the Dauntless is correct. The loyal Dauntless, what we've been told are at Candor, the traitor Dauntless are with the Erudite. So they've been split up basically in half. And then as far as the rest of the abnegation, I mean, the assumption is like at least probably half of abnegation's population was murdered. And then the stragglers, I can't remember where they said they were, but remember right before Triss and Tobias leave to go to Candor, and she splits up from Caleb and Susan, who's the other abnegation girl. They say, like, the abnegation, there's, like, straggler abnegation. Like, I think I think they're with the factionless mainly. Like, because the factionless have, like, safe houses all over the city. So I think that's what they said. So obviously, because I don't think, based on, like, when Amity comes in, and I mean, when Erudite comes and attacks Amity, I don't really think anybody really stayed at Amity. Like, I feel like they all kind of fled or were killed or kidnapped, probably. So... The abnegation are the what's left of abnegation is spread out amongst the factionless, and then obviously, like, there's like random straggler people like Caleb, who is an erudite, but like obviously doesn't want to be an erudite right now. And as we learn, like, there are some like erudite, there was like an erudite doctor, and she and Tris tells her to go to Amity because Amity has a safe house as long as she's not gonna like cause trouble she can stay at amity yeah like so that's kind of like where everyone is right now i believe okay that's helpful thank you that's what i thought but you know i wasn't sure so (laughs) this is another moment i got pretty frustrated with the book because we so the candor like they call up the divergent to ask them about being divergent and we find out that uriah is divergent out of nowhere, we find out that Marcus, Tobias's dad, is divergent out of nowhere. Like, clearly the divergence, they're a bigger problem because there's there's more of them. Like, when Triss gets told, we kind of get the vibe at first that it's like one in a generation. And then, or at least that's what feels because she's never heard of anyone. No, I think it's more just the idea of the divergent people. It's kind of like, there's a lot of them. It's just that when you find out you're divergent, they're like, they you better hiding. keep that, like, you better keep that a secret or they're going to kill you. So I think that's why it's kind of like, oh, you're like, how is he divergent? It's because obviously, even if he knew he wasn't divergent, he was never going to mention it to anybody. 
Just like Tris, the only reason, the only reason we know, we obviously know Tris is divergent because we're reading from her perspective, and then she gets close to Tobias, who's also divergent, and then, like, her mom was divergent, so, like, we're getting her finding out about this, which I'm sure all these other characters are divergent in their own ways had these same moments. It's just that we obviously didn't get them because we're reading from Tris's perspective. So I don't really think that's so, like, unbelievable. Okay, I guess. I just was like... Also, when we talked about earlier about how, like, the idea of factions, like, people just being able to subscribe to, like, one set of... It never made like, very much ...character sense. traits, it doesn't make sense. So it does make sense that, like, a lot of people would probably be divergent because it doesn't really make sense that, like, all you... All the, all that makes you what you are is you're super smart or all that makes what you are is you're recklessly brave or yes, you're super, I super I mean, selfless. Like, it makes sense saying. that you like, would have... Yes, it's just, like... We're clearly meaning that there are much many more divergent people than Triss knew that there were, which makes sense because Triss didn't know they existed until like a month ago. Well, yeah, but there's still like definitely a minority, which is probably because like Janine and the Erudite have been killing divergent for years. Um, odds are Janine is actually divergent herself. It's going to be some like Lord of Voldemort. He's actually a half blood. He's not even a pure pure blood. I bet Janine is a divergent. Like. This part of my predictions. Okay. So Triss and Tobias, super sleuth, they basically sit down and they're like, the Ariadite attacked us, but they didn't try to kill us. They wanted to isolate the Divergent, but they like implanted these permanent simulation setup release trigger thing majiggies. So basically the Ariadite have now given a bunch of people, they've injected them with something that'll start another simulation, who even knows. And... It sounds like they basically, they injected them with, like, because how, from our understanding of the book so far, the simulations happen, they inject the serum into your neck, it's a one-time use. Once the simulation ends, like, it disappears, it goes out of your system. But obviously, this assumption is what Tris and Tobias are assuming what they did is they've developed a new type of serum that once it's been injected in you, like, it never leaves your body. So they can just put you into a simulation whenever they want. That's my understanding of what they're trying to say. What they think, that's their theory of what happened. But they have no proof. That's, that's my, that is what I believe their theory is as well. That is my understanding as well. Again, it feels a little chaotic to me that, you know, we have just another, like, now they're shooting them with, you know, reusable serum at some point. Like, we can run you a simulation at some point again, but, like, is this going to be one of the simulations that Divergent can avoid or not? Who knows? We'll see. And then, so, but basically Kander decides, like Jack, the leader of Kander, he meets with Janine, or a representative of Janine's, and she's like, give us everything we want. And he's like, okay. And then the Dauntless are like, pretty restless. Well, also because, I mean, Janine basically is like, you're literally useless. You're one of the useless factions. You don't provide anything. Like, Amity provides food. Erudite provides technology and medicine. Like, Kendra does literally nothing. So, I mean, that's why it's like, again, his Jack or whatever is like, we're gonna go negotiate. It's like, you have nothing to negotiate. You have no power. Like, you just have to come and be like, don't kill us. Yeah. And so, it's like, Janine, like, sets up these conditions that are completely, like, terrible for I mean, obviously, they're destructive to the Dauntless, but they're even bad for Cantor. And Jack is like, okay, well, since I have literally no leverage in this situation, I guess we're going to do that. So the Dauntless gets super restless, and 
you know, they're also like trying to like plan when is Janine, who's going to Janine, who is Janine going to attack next? Like she didn't attack the faction list, which is what Evelyn thought she was going to do, but it makes, but they figure out like she wouldn't attack the faction list because they have a lot of divergent people because they all got kicked out of their own faction. So, but they're all resistant to her attacks. So it's super chaotic, but essentially the Dauntless are getting really restless at Candor. And they're, like, trying to see what Janine's big plans and next steps are. But it really did feel like, at this point, when they're in the Candor headquarters and they're talking about the negotiation, that we were, like, jumping back and forth. It was super chaotic and really hard to follow. Did Was that just me, Asia? Oh, for sure. I wrote this down because, like, I didn't remember this at all from reading it. But And also, I was... I'm, I've been reading the book on my Kindle, so, like, I don't know if it's formatted differently, but... Some of Roth's transitions, like, are extremely abrupt. Like, you know how normally a story, like, a scene happens and then there might be, like, a break in the writing and then, like, it doesn't have to be the end of a chapter. But then, like, once there's a break in the writing, like, a couple spaces of lines, then, like, this a new scene will start maybe in a new place. Her writing literally will be, like, we were at the Candor headquarters and then the next line, no break, no transition, now we're in Amity. Like... No explanation. Like, well, all of a sudden, because I'll be like, where are we? When they where went from the we? faction no list to Candor, I was like, are they in the Candor headquarters? Like, I literally was like, I didn't remember them traveling. Like, there's no, yeah, there's, there's just, and it's not that you can't do that. It's just that, ha- and maybe, maybe this is the formatting of the book. Like, there's no break. So it's just like one long, like, paragraph of text. And it just jump, it just like jump cuts you know to a new place. As we were talking about this. Something that I've been thinking is that it feels like it was almost written for film. Yeah, because... because it jumps a lot. And also the confusion about, like, where the factions are. That'll be so obvious in a film because each faction, like, has, like, a color scheme they yeah. have to wear. So I think that you'll be able to show chaos and, like, patterns, like, a lot more clearly. Also, like, in a film... You just, like, someone injects you with something. It doesn't, it, like, the nuances of it don't matter yeah, as much. Yeah, because you get a lot more visual simulation, whereas here it's, like, when you just jump like that, you're, like, hold up, I have to go back a couple lines because how did we get here? Exactly. Like, I feel so like yeah, I, the potential was I would was say I, I agree with film. that. Like, yeah, made for film. But, yeah, well, thank you for, like, because I was reading it and I had to, like, go back a couple times, too, to, like, reread it. And I was, like, am I just, like, bad at reading? Like... I was confused a lot. So. No. Like, again, here's another one. So we found out that Zeke, Uriah's older brother, like he was a traitor dauntless. And then all of a sudden he like comes back into camp with Tori, who's injured. And everyone's like, psych, Zeke was a spy. And I was like, you guys didn't shoot him when he was coming up. We thought he was a traitor. But whatever. They're all like, yeah, he definitely. Well, they, they don't shoot him because Triss is like. We gotta help her. She's injured, like, and that's why. And then they put him under truth serum, and he's like, "I was spying the whole time." And we're like, "But I'm like, this gun, super unbelievable. Like, you thought he betrayed you? Like, I bet Uriah would have messed him up." See, something like that. I guess that didn't bother me as much because, like, it's believable in the fact of, of course, they would have thought he betrayed them. Like, he literally says, like, he just was like, "I'm just gonna go this way and spy." Like, it wasn't like he was given that job. He just made that decision on his own. That's literally what he says. That's what I'm saying. I'm. He's like. It just feels unrealistic. I don't think, like, to me that doesn't come across as unrealistic because this is, like, this book is obviously much more chaotic because we are, like, in a war now. So, like, everything is more chaotic. Like, they're constantly moving around or everything's changing because 
it's constantly in this, like, at any moment, things could change. Well, that's what I said at the beginning. Like, she's really creating the fear, the chaos of war in her writing. I'm completely confused. Well, what else are you confused about? <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it, talking it through has helped. Like, I just, like, as we were reading it, I was like, when Zeke came back, I was like, I thought Zeke was the one who betrayed But they're them. saying that he went. And then they were like, he, he was. But he was like, psych, I was always spying. And I'm like, okay, there's our explanation. But I was just like, it was confusing I, to me. I need faces for these I think well, I, we talked about this a little bit about how you said the characters, which like, I guess for me, again, I, I am rereading it, but like, I definitely don't remember all these characters. But I don't find this book hard to follow, if that makes sense. Like, I, I don't find it so confusing that it's like, I have no idea what's going on. I think like what we've, what you've said is I do think some of the things aren't very, some things aren't very logical or really like are explained well. I find it hard to follow. I find it hard to follow because in addition to things not being explained well, I think that there are a lot of characters that we're learning things about them, like their faction, their birth faction, whether or not they're divergent, who they're related to. And we're meeting them all through Triss's perspective. So we're not spending like that much time with them originally. So it's just that for me, like I should have just been writing it down. Because I guess. Because like, yeah, I haven't. That yeah, sort of I stuff just really, confuses I feel like me. I haven't really struggled with. I mean, we talked it through the other day of like the different characters. Like I feel like I have most of the characters straightforward of like what faction they are at least. If they're divergent or not. Not everybody obviously for which faction they were born from. But most like I. The characters like I know which character. But I know, like, maybe, again, I, I have read this at least once before, so it's not as, like, jarring for me. Also, all their names sound the same to me. Like, Peter and Peter Eric. Peter and Eric are like, completely I, different I names. Also, maybe I can, like, because like, I'm thinking, too. too I mean, many. also, I have seen not all the movies, but I think I've seen, the, like I said, I think I've seen the first two. I'm also imagining the actors for some of the characters, so maybe that's also helping me differentiate. Not like for like Zeke, Uriah, all those like all the side Dauntless characters. I have no idea what they look like, but like Eric, Peter, Christina, like all of them, I have like a, I'm I have an idea of what they look like in my head based off of the movie. I haven't seen the movies, but I'm just imagining Shailene Woodley and a bunch of like faceless dolls. Like, that's what, that's how I'm reading this book. I'm like, I don't have no idea. Tobias, like he's like a faceless doll with biceps, and Tris is like Shailene Woodley just panting, and then everyone else is faceless. Well, maybe like, you no should just look up like the cast of the movie so that you can put some faces on those faceless dolls. That's so creepy. <laughs> it is creepy. Oh goodness. Okay, that's well, that's where I am. But anyway. They come back. They are now. They were dauntless spies. They got some good information for them. Peter, who is, I know, he was an initiate. He's the one who stabbed the guy in the eye, <laughs> and like groped Triss, and she saved him multiple times. But after they brought him to Amity, he stuck around and he sided with Janine. Like he's on Team Janine now. I mean, I guess. Oh, I'm is just. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. I'm just thinking of, because <laughs> this is also a, like kind of like a meme almost of like. It's easy for me especially to remember, like, Peter and Caleb because their actors, like, with Shailene Woodley, like, they've all been in movies together, like, playing love interests and stuff. So, like, that was always, like, a funny thing because, like, Ansel Elgort, who plays Caleb in the movie, played Shailene Woodley's love interest in Fault in Our Stars, but then he plays her brother in Divergent. And then... Wait, Ansel Elgort is Caleb in the movie? Yeah. 
I had no idea. And then the guy who plays Peter, I believe, I don't know the actor's name, but he plays Shailene's, Shailene Woodley's love interest in another movie, which I'm not remembering the name right now off the top of my head, but it's like a kind of like rom-com movie, I think, like coming of age. And he's like that actress from like Foot, the remake of Footloose. Like, so I, I can like imagine that actor as Peter. So like, it's definitely easy for me to like, also like, I mean, Peter is like one of the main characters. Like he's been in it from the beginning. Yeah. But like after we dropped him off at Amity, I've forgotten about him. Well, see, how are you forgetting? Also, for you who loves like fantasy novels where there's literally like a million characters, I think you need to do better. Because <laughs> there's not, there's really I just not think that, that many. These, char- these characters are just dull and they're too forgettable. That's the problem. I mean, that, but they're they're all just serving as like background. But like Peter is like a main character. Like he's gonna keep returning throughout the rest of the series. Okay. Well, how was I supposed to know that? Well, you should recognize that he's been that he keeps coming back. You're like, who is that? It's the same person. Well, I figured it out. I did remember she saved him multiple times, and she's like, I shot him, and did I shoot his leg? No, he's gonna walk. But remember, Peter is also like he's serving as like that villain character. Like he's an antagonist. So of course, like you're saying, why would he side with Janine? Because that's his character. He's bad. Okay. Well, even after she saves him multiple times, he's just like, ah, yeah, I still want to kill her. Okay, great. Great. Okay. Peter's officially with Janine. Let's move on. I, I, I will try to do better with these, <laughs> all these boring named characters. You can only remember when their names are like something hard to pronounce. That's when I can't remember anybody. Zephaniah. Oh my God. Iphigenia. All these freaking names. Anyway. Sagaglalal. No, we're never going back. And then, <laughs> so while all the Dauntless are together in Candor, like kind of complaining about their situation, Tobias beats up Marcus publicly and throws his mother's wedding band at him. And I can't, like, I don't remember this at all. I don't remember what this leads to. But I'm assuming this is some kind of signal to maybe Marcus, like, maybe, like, showing, like, mom's alive, like, Evelyn's alive. Like, whether Marcus probably already knew that, I'm guessing. But, like, she's the leader of the faction list. Like, or maybe, like, he's doing that to show Marcus that he knows. Because... My assumption is that I, I would assume Marcus knew that, but obviously Tobias didn't until she told him. So, like, maybe that's why. But he, like, has this, like, he, like, has this calculated plan, I guess, and, like, he goes and, like, beats up Marcus. I, I had no idea. I mean, Triss is, like, Tobias is possibly interested in establishing, uh, abolishing the factions. And if he's a dauntless leader, then he can do that. So I, he's going to beat up his dad to show off to the Dauntless that he's big and strong and brave. And that's why he beats up his dad. I don't know what the ring means, though, at all. And I would, yes, I would expect that Marcus does know Evelyn is alive. And then, again, this is one of the moments that bothered me about Tobias, is he, he like, telling Tris, he's like, you need to stop being reckless. Like, I fell in love with you for being divergent, not for being some idiot Dauntless girl. And... Then he's literally being an idiot, dauntless boy to become a dauntless leader. But I don't think he is because, like, how Trish describes, like, when he goes and beats up Marcus, like, she's expecting him to be, like, all heated and, like, a mess, basically, like, because it was, like, an emotional response when he looks, like, totally calm, like, he was planning on doing it, which that's why I don't think that he's acting dauntless at all. I think, like, what you just said that what Trish is thinking is he's thinking that maybe our only way out of this war is to side with Evelyn and the factionless and destroy the faction system. And the only way I'm going to be able to bring that idea up 
is if I'm in, like, if I have a position of power. So I have to become a leader, which in order to become a leader, I need to make sure the dauntless will vote for me and will side with me because they think of me as strong. So I'm going to do what I need to do to make that get across. So like for me. And at least Marcus deserves it. Well, yeah, but for me, like Tobias is just coming off across as like he has a plan and he's going on his mission basically. Like, so to me, like, I don't really have an issue with what he did. Like, like you said, like Marcus deserved it. And like, it's serving a greater purpose, I think. And I feel like he is not maybe sharing all of these things with Tris because of how Tris is acting and how like she is being really reckless right now, which like I wrote this down, which I think this is like going to continue throughout the rest of the series. But like Tris is definitely like acting like suicidal a little bit. Like she is like with no regrets, like, or not no regrets. She has no regards for her well-being at times. And that's totally not fair to Tobias or to anybody else who cares about her. But. You know who that reminds me of? Who? Isabella Marie Swan. Oh, yeah. I mean. She's like, Edward, kill me, please. I don't want to live alone in this cold and rainy island. I'm going to go hang out with some hormonal wolf boys that just run around and eat things because they cannot control their urges. It's fine. I also can't walk because I have one shorter leg than another. But I'm saying it's still different. I would say a difference between Tris and Bella is at least Bella like still had Charlie, like her dad, her parents. Whereas Tris right now is like her parents are dead. Like, so she doesn't have anybody to really hold on. Like she has her brother, but, like, she doesn't feel like she has anybody to hold on to. And her parents died for her. So she feels guilty for that because she probably feels like she wasn't worthy of that. So, like, I understand why she's feeling that way. And something that we haven't, like, super-duper mentioned yet, I don't think. But Tris, like, hasn't been able to pick up a gun since what happened with Will. So, like, she – because she has, like, the mm-hmm. PTSD and she's dealing with the guilt of that. So, yeah, it's pretty reckless of her to pe- keep volunteering to go – on all these dangerous missions and stuff when she can't even hold a gun. Like, she can't even defend herself. And so, of course, like, Tobias has a right to be upset with her. And Oh, I agree. He could be, like, yes, he's holding her up to a higher standard because he sees her as this divergent person. Like, she's divergent, and, like, he fell in love with this specific person. And he could possibly be a little bit more supportive about the Will thing, but I feel like he probably just still feels betrayed that she didn't even tell him. So, like, probably. they're definitely, like, they're both doing things that are, like, not okay. But I, like, again, I still am, like, a Trist to me is the one who's ultimately being completely immature because she is the one who's, she's suffering from the guilt and the and the PTSD and all this stuff. But, like, she's, which, a mature person, when you're going through something like that, you need support. And she's turning away her support. And she's just like, I'm just going to go put myself in more dangerous situations. So I'll just get myself killed so I don't have to deal with it anymore. That's literally like her thoughts when she's like, she literally like almost jumps off the building. Like she thinks about like from Al from the last book who like threw himself Mm -hmm. into the pit. She's like, I wonder how long he stood there. Like she's literally having like suicidal thoughts because she's ready to like give up on life because it's just gotten too hard for her. Which like is like the most selfish thing she could probably be doing right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like. It's not saying that, like, she's not I mean, suffering. I don't think it's selfish, but I just think that it is. I think it's selfish in the sense of she is not wanting to deal with her problems. Like, in the sense of 
it's selfish because like, yes, your parents died, but you still have a brother who loves you. You have Tobias who loves you. You have all the dauntless people who are going to be very upset if you die. All the people now who are like looking up to her as this crazy divergent person. Like, yes. And it's more that she's not taking what her parents did seriously. Like, because they sacrificed themselves for her and she's, it does feel like she's she's like throwing it away almost. Yes. That I will say. Tobias... Which I, one line like that Tobias says to her is like, he's like, he says something about like, you know, your parents gave their lives for you for a reason. That doesn't mean that you just get to throw away your life for no reason. Like being able to like sacrifice yourself has to have a reasoning behind it. Like you don't just sacrifice yourself for nothing. And like, I think that's like where she's not really understanding that because again, she's like trying to figure out this, like being brave and being selfless and like finding this balance. But... With all of that, Tobias gives Triss an ultimatum, um, an ultimatum that if she keeps risking her life recklessly, they're done, which I completely understand. Like, obviously, Tobias is suffering, too, and he does not need to suffer another death, like, especially a death that would be super close to him. Yeah. Also, like, maybe Triss will respond to it. Like, she's not and really maybe, responded yeah. to, like, him being nice to her, so maybe he needs to be mean to her. Yeah, like, trying to switch up how he's addressing her, but... So yeah, I don't know about for you, Charles, but I'm definitely not <laughs> enjoying this book as much as I enjoy Divergent. Because like I said, I just don't really like where Trish's character is going. And I kind of have a feeling, like for what I remember with like how the series is going to go, I really think the only book I really loved was the first book. But we'll see how the second half goes. I mean, for me, I, I'm not enjoying it, one, because I'm missing their romance. But two, because... I don't even think that, like, the suicidal aspect of Triss doesn't, like, bother me as much as the idiot Triss. Like, like, for me, the real big thing of, like, I'm not abnegation, I'm not dauntless, I'm divergent, and then her being, like, we need factions, I'm, like, that literally is, like, and, again, her, like, not telling Tobias about Will, I'm, like, that was dumb. Like, and for me, like, her stupidity is a bigger turnoff than, like, her grief. I guess for me, so what I would say is because I'm thinking of like why I think the grief thing is bigger for me because to me it makes her seem like a weaker character because I'm just thinking of how when we covered the Hunger Games with Katniss. Katniss, when they go into Catching Fire in the second Hunger Games and how she's like willing to die to save PETA, that has meaning. She has a reason for why she would be willing to die. And like Katniss goes through a whole bunch of loss throughout those series too, but never is she like, I'm just going to die and give up. And like Katniss is fighting for a similar thing of like fighting for like, you know, making the world like making their community have a better like system. But to me, like Tris, and that's where I'm saying like to me, it comes across like this is where Tris to me is being very selfish in her thinking, like which I guess is like maybe for a character I'm thinking like I just want like a I want a character that's more like selfless and like better because obviously reading the book like you want a character that you can look up to yes that's what i want more of like a yeah a model character which like to me in this moment like tris is being the exact opposite of that which you know this is only this is the middle we've only gotten to the middle of the second book so maybe she is gonna have a total flip around but i'm just thinking like when we read the hunger games obviously that's another another dystopian novel like this it's was done very well and we really enjoyed because to me like katniss even during her low points, we never questioned, like, her as being, like, a bad character. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whereas, yeah. like, Triss, 
I, and that's where I, that's where for me, I feel like I'm saying that I feel like she's being a little selfish at times. And it's not that she can't be selfish sometimes, but it's just like her selfishness is like self-destructive, which is just like, as this being a young adult book, like kids are reading this, like, this is not how you want to be. <laughs> like, this is not something to look up to. No, but also like we shouldn't be giving 16 year olds guns anyway. So. Yeah. Yes. I'm. I'm, I'm definitely not enjoying it as much as I enjoyed Divergent. That, that much is, is clear. I agree. Yeah. But so, we're almost done. So anyway, we're almost there, but the Dauntless decide that it's time to leave Candor and reclaim the Dauntless headquarters. So Tori, Triss, some random guy named Harrison. So like this is, I'm sure there's somebody we don't have to remember who it is, but I just wrote down his name. And Tobias, they're all nominated to be the new Dauntless leaders, but they need an odd number. And they're going to vote, but Triss decides that she's going to refuse it so that Tobias can definitely be a leader because she knows that's what he wants. Well, also, she's trying to prove to Tobias that she's not going to be some dauntless crazy, which I appreciate. I was like, good on you, Triss, because you need to do something nice for Tobias because he is truly trying to just, like, be right for you. I mean, obviously, they could just nominate a fifth person and they could have all been leaders, but whatever. I thought that too, but I was like, I guess, you know, we're... They literally, like... They, also, they like, said they used to have leaders. five leaders. It just has to be an odd number. But now we're only having three. They're like, <laughs> we get to four. Okay, we got to vote. I'm like, wait, you, you you could just wait for one more person to nominate, nominate somebody it. else. I'm like, we can nominate... Is Christina Dauntless? Like, isn't she? Yeah, but we don't want Christina as a leader. But I'm I saying... Think, like, they could have nominated, like, like, Zeke or something. Like, they could have just nominated... Or they could have nominated another nameless person. But this is for drama. So, but yes, I did think the same thing. But Christina is going back. She did go back to the Dauntless compound with them, right? Because she's, I know because she's originally from Candor, but she went back with the Dauntless. No, yeah, she went with them. Okay, I wasn't sure because, you know, she hates Triss now. I'm pretty sure. And Triss is now like first lady of the Dauntless because she's dating Tobias. (laughs) Anyway, so she, but she, Triss does refuse the leadership. And so then the Dauntless, they, well, the whole reason they pick leaders is because they're like, we don't want to give Eric back to Erudite. Erudite. And so they're like, we need to execute him. But they're like, only Dauntless leaders can execute him. So we should make some new leaders. <laughs> like, they're really making all those rules. And then. Yes. So they go and to execute Eric. Yes. And for being then a traitor. they get Eric and he, which again, this scene was also just like totally chaotic. Like all of a sudden there's no chaos and no then sense. boom, Eric's there. Like he just appeared out of nowhere. But anyway. Also, it's like all of the Dauntless, like this is like 10% of the whole population of Chicago. They're all just like in one area, like watching Eric get shot. Like, I don't know. Continue. Anyway, so when it's time for Eric to be executed, he requests that Tobias specifically shoot him. Which I thought was just very stupid because Tobias is just like, okay, like to complete his request. Because before, like what they were planning is the three new leaders were all going to have a gun and only one was actually going to have a bullet and they like mix it around. So then they, none of them would have actually known, know who shot him like necessarily. Which is like a very, I mean, not that I believe in the death penalty, but like that's the most diplomatic and humane way. Most diplomatic and humane way to, if you're going to do an execution that like makes sense. But now it's like now Tobias knows that he did it. And like also it's just like Eric's a criminal. Like why why would you even agree to give him anything? Like I just didn't understand that. Like that part didn't make any sense to me. Especially because Eric's like, I want you to see that you you saw my power, you wanted it, and you usurped my power. And I was like, 
Tobias literally was offered, like, a leadership position, like, eight times, Eric. Like, calm down. Also, like, Tobias didn't, like, he's not killing you because he wanted your spot in leadership. Like, you, like, turned the Dauntless into a bunch of robo-soldiers. Like, I don't know. It was, yeah, it was made, it was dumb, and it made no sense that they obliged his request either. And then, okay. This is what we really finish, where it makes absolutely no sense. So the Dauntless, they're going to go back to Dauntless headquarters. Then as they're leaving, Jack, who's the leader of Candor, he's like, you, you can't go, because obviously he's promised to turn them over. And they're like, we're going to go. And he's like, if you go, the Candor will never help the Dauntless for leaving. And I was like, you literally already sided against them. Like, you already said you weren't going to help them. So you have no leverage. He's like, if you leave, we won't help you. I'm like, you already said you weren't going to help them. Again, like, we already said Candor is probably one of the most useless factions. So, of course, they have no idea what they're doing and they have literally nothing to offer. So, all they do is just, like, spew things at people. And they're literally standing there as all the dolls run away back to a train. Like, Wait, that's what they say. They, like, literally, like, ram through them and, like, people have to, like, dive out of the way. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like... Like, you can't, if you've already given up your bargaining chips, you can't bargain. Like, that made no sense, Jack. Anyway, like. Yeah, and then. Anyway, so they go reclaim Dauntless headquarters, I guess. Again, that was the end. And that was it. Do you have anything else? No, I'm just curious to see how the rest of this book is going to go. Even though I will say the hint, the hint that I keep bringing up, it still hasn't been brought up. I think it will be by the end of the book. If not, I guess it's from the third book. I have not forgotten. Well, I didn't go reread, so I still wouldn't know. But that's finishing our first episode on Insurgents. <laughs> next week, we'll finish the book. So read the second half of Insurgent um, for next week. So go ahead and finish it if you do read along. And as always, if you have any predictions, theories, or questions, or you just want to keep talking to us about Divergent, remember that you can stay in touch with us about anything on the Nerd Party website. You can head over to nerdparty.com contact and select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there and get in touch with the network on Twitter at Join Nerd Party, on Instagram at The Nerd Party, and Facebook.com slash The Nerd Party. And to find me, I'm at Asia Bonilla on Twitter and at Asia.Bonilla on Instagram. And I'm at C. Sheeland on Twitter and at Seashells on Instagram. Remember that if you enjoyed this, rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other awesome podcasts on the Nerd Party Network and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit that subscribe, have a good one, and we'll see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.